0: Hello again, and welcome back to Cameras or Whatever, the podcast for working photographers. I am Tyler Stallman.
1: Hello, and I'm Cameron Whitman.
0: Hey, Cameron. Hey, how you doing? Great. I. Um, You've returned. I've returned. I feel like I have so many things on my mind and things to say, but I'm also trying to remember that people don't really care about hearing a lot about something that they didn't do or weren't involved <laughs> with in some way. <laughs> so true so yeah i'm gonna try and uh to keep my stories to a minimum but uh I, I should at least sum it up from the start because a lot of things have happened in the last month mm-hmm. uh so i have been on a pretty big trip we went to new york first and then toronto which is uh when i talked to you last mm-hmm and then from Toronto, we went to London for London Fashion Week, and then Paris for, well, we actually ended up missing most of that Fashion Week. We arrived a bit early and left when it had just started, so uh, we didn't see much of it, but uh, that was okay, because it made it kind of relaxing. And then um, came back for, to Calgary for two days, shot a fashion show, and then went to Montana for a event with uh, Canada Goose the jacket company that uh, huh. kept us warm in the, the wilds of
1: Montana. Excellent. Yeah. So
0: that's all I have to say.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that, I need a new, new jacket. Oh,
0: well, let me direct you to some <laughs> amazingly warm, down-filled uh, coats by Canada. Mm. Uh, but actually, they're the, they're the jackets that, uh, you know, if you're like an Arctic scientist, they make all of the professional-grade Arctic coats. And uh, yeah, if if, there's some, if you want to stay alive in minus 40 weather, uh, that's probably going to be your choice.
1: Now, let me ask you this. Does it also keep you like a reasonable temperature when it's not terribly cold?
0: No, you'd be dying of dying. sweat. See, <laughs> well, that's... So they have different levels, right? Like sleeping bags. There's minus 40. And this is all Celsius, I'm sorry. There's like minus mm-hmm. 30 to minus 40, and then there's minus 10 to 20 and minus 5. Something like that. But isn't the crossover at minus 40? Is I think it's something like that Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same at minus
1: 40. I have no idea. I only think in terms of Fahrenheit, so I, I really have no clue.
0: Fahrenheit, I'm googling right now. Fahrenheit, Celsius, uh I'm gonna to have to get this sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty important to me right now. Um, anyway, uh, suffice it to say that yes, these uh, they are excellent cold checks. But how how cold does it get in uh, DC? It
1: gets pretty cold. Like it, uh, I'd say that on a really really nasty day, <laughs> it can get all the way down to zero. Right, and then you then you and that's Fahrenheit, of course. But then you also have to throw in the humidity factor, which just creates a situation where the cold seeps right under your jacket mm-hmm. or right through it, you yeah. Can say, Yeah, that can be miserable. Um, so when it's cold, you need a really quality winter jacket. For sure. But this area is really bizarre and there will be times when, you know, it'll be in middle of January and it'll be like 60 degrees.
2: Hmm.
1: And you don't know, you know, you leave the house and you have your jacket on and you're just like, "Well, it was freezing yesterday."
0: Yeah. We actually we get that too. We have pretty irregular winter Things people, I think, get confused because Calgary. Well, we're in Canada, there's a lot of really cold cities around us, but we get these things called chinooks. Oh, and it's a a warm wind that comes in to the the, through the middle of winter. A really warm wind will come in and it can bring it up to like you know 10 or even uh, or plus 20. So, what's room temperature 76?
1: Mm, That's a little warm.
0: Okay, so uh, maybe (laughs) 60. Okay. So, yeah, it'd be like, you know, 60, 65 in the middle of uh, winter,
1: which is nice. Yeah.
0: So, I, I, I think I could deal with that. But I was correct. So, minus 40, that's when Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same. Weird. Yeah. But we do get to minus 30, if you can imagine what that is. But that does happen here uh, at least a few days every winter. So,
1: that's ridiculous. It's really cold. <laughs> yeah. I really have no, yeah. uh, no basis for comparison. It's a really dry cold, though. So, it's different. Um, it's not
0: as bad as minus thirty would be on a coast, right? I get that. Yeah.
1: That's how it was um, when I lived in Utah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, welcome to uh, weather or whatever. <laughs> weather or whatever. <laughs> That's actually
0: a, that name has a lot better ring to it than our yeah, current it
1: name. It's actually a pretty good name. <laughs> mm. What are we doing? Why are uh, we doing weather? Well, we are. Uh, well, I, th- I think the weather has its time and place in photography. Obviously, <laughs> actually,
0: it does. There could mm. be an episode all about dealing with weather while you're shooting.
1: Yes, and that's actually why I was asking about Canada Goose is because
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I feel that like usually when I have a coat that that works in really cold weather for shooting, I can't really function in it. Right. Right. Yeah, and it makes me angry.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, what my strategy for this winter is uh, to layer a bit of so I've got like a lighter down coat that you could kind of go out into any weather with, and you're probably not going to be too hot, right? Like something that is manageable. If you unzip it, you're going to be fine. And then putting a, uh, like a more medium parka over top of that. Right. Cause you can put a really, there's like a parka that will be an ultimate sleeping bag, or there's one that's more of a shell and just boosts the the inner jacket. And that's what I'm going to be doing this year. So I can go on and off a lot easier. And mm-hmm. also they have these like, um, Straps inside, which look really strange until you realize what what it is you can basically take the back the jacket off and just keep wearing it like a backpack, so you can mm-hmm. cool down without having to hold the jacket somewhere, which is actually looks silly but is very practical um, mm. so yeah, and joking aside, they are maybe uh, the best winter jackets out there, so well, I'm in the market, yeah they uh and yeah so I'd like to explain what that was too. It was a blogger event. Um, this might be relevant to photographers actually. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about this event cause, um, I've talked about fashion weeks in the past, but this was a blogging thing for Anya's blog. Uh, so for any new listeners, my wife has a style blog, Anya And, um, a lot of the work that I do is shooting for that. So, uh, what will happen is that brands that want to work with her will, Uh, In this case, invite her and other bloggers to an event where we're all kind of there is the product that they want to have featured around uh, and kind of made available to shoot style photos. So we are given like a a cool photographic, photogenic experience. And um, then their product is kind of thrown into the mix and that's like the exchange. So, you know, they're giving us a great experience and they get some marketing through it. Uh so yeah, it was really cool though, hanging out with uh there there's about a dozen of us. I can't remember exactly. There's about twelve people Mm -hmm. though, and um some of them were some of the biggest bloggers in the States. We had uh a guy by the name of well, One Dapper Street is his account name. Um, who's the I I think he's the biggest men's style blogger in the US probably. Uh and him and his girlfriend Lisa and um Others, I shouldn't have started naming because I'm not going to name everybody, but um, all the old people that were very well established. And so it was really an honor to be amongst them. And an interesting thing to me is that these are people that their job is being a blogger. Like that's what is on their business card, I guess, or what they would tell people. But working with everybody and around everybody, they're all amazing photographers, too. None of them would say that that's their primary job. But I mean, if you look at their photographer, you never know it. Because it just becomes part of the thing, you know, if, if your job is to present, uh, I mean, in this case it's presenting style and lifestyle and clothing, um, in a way that's going to inspire people in how the, they're going to make their purchases, then making it look amazing is critical to that. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody there had amazing cameras and really knew how to use them and, yeah, I don't know, it's funny, just seeing people that clearly, they could just go on to a photography career after if they wanted, but uh, but they, it's not what they um, think of themselves primarily as. So I, I found that whole thing really interesting. There's a lot yeah. of chance to talk about photography, and I was the only Canon shooter there. That was weird, unique. Yeah, it was um, <laughs> mostly Nikon. Um, weird. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a, a Sony A7R, and a uh, Leica M240... And uh, no Fuji.
1: No, and then all all Nikon's. Huh. So I guess Fuji doesn't have a foot in the uh, fashion market.
0: <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I I saw I saw one person shooting with multiple. Oh, that's in Calgary. In Calgary at the fashion show, I saw somebody with two Fuji bodies. It's like a big zoom lens on one and a prime on the other, and shooting like an event photographer with two Fuji bodies. And I, I'd never seen that before. Um, but he was clearly using them fully professionally. That was. Mm. I didn't get a chance to chat with them, but
1: uh, I'd like to. That's that's kind of exciting.
0: And then the the Sony was, I didn't see many Sonys being used in a press way. I posted on Twitter and uh, and did I say, I don't remember if I said this on the last show, but that still in the press pits at all the the fashion events, it was all Canon and Nikon though. I didn't see any Sony or Fuji still cameras, many Sony video cameras, but uh, stills were were still all the, the same.
1: Can I, can I ask you a really weird question (laughs) out of all of the current professional camera makes or makers, who do you think has the coolest image?
0: Like just brand. Yep. Yeah. That's actually really an intro. We were talking about that a little bit. Uh, I was talking to the guy with the Leica. He is a, um, uh, like a ambassador for Leica. So he uh, brings one around and talks about it. And, uh, I was kind of arguing with him that he, you know, we're talking about like, what's the, what's the brand that is the ultimate of whatever category, you know, the cliche used to be the Cadillac of blank. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, an example I always think of is the uh, Technics 1200 of turntables. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And at some point it was definitely Leica. At some point in the past, Leica was a premier brand for 35 millimeter, right? Like that is the best 35 millimeter camera. And the argument was basically like, is it, does it still have that place? And I don't, I don't think it really does. Um, but who does, you know, like as you lust after, cause they're beautiful, but performance wise, they don't make sense for most situations. No, and not at all. There's definitely no clarity between uh, in, in the DSLR area, if it would be Canon or Nikon, that is not no. obvious.
1: It's clear it's I think the the difference between those two is primarily just taste, which one feels better,
0: yeah, yeah, well, which one you happen to buy first, <laughs> yeah totally, uh and then you know, if you look at medium formats, like I think people would probably argue a lot over Hasselblad and uh, phase one or
1: Mimia um I don't think there's any clear answers to that anymore, yeah, I think just clearly in, like purely in terms of branding and the way that they, the, the appeal of the, how the the instruments look and all that is, I think Fuji is just killing it. Hmm. I love the look of all of the X-Trans cameras. Yeah. All of them.
0: Yeah. Their uh, body design is, is the most beautiful of, uh, I'd say aside from like, I do find like is never rivaled in beauty.
1: No, but, um, it's simplicity, yeah. perfection. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, especially like a film body when there's no back on it. i love to see those like, as they they're great, but the Fuji's come the closest. You're, you're totally right in, um, in capturing that same feeling that same like emotional connection to the camera. Yeah. Which Sony, Sony's like the opposite. They're delivering all of the, the,
1: the power with so little of the sexiness. <laughs> yeah. So very little. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, That's well. I've I've gone on about that, but it it pains me. But at the same time, I look at the Nikon's. Think back, you know, to when the F100 came out. At the time, it was was a very modern and very awesome camera, and I thought it looked great too. But now that I'm looking back, I still like the design of that camera. But the fact that they've kind of stayed with that same style this long and have really stuck to it Mm -hmm. and made a Little bit of a, an effort, but very small in right. terms of doing like a, a redesign that really had any meaning to it. The DF was the, the was the only one that made mm-hmm. me go like, "Ooh, I have to have that because it looks good."
0: Right, but it seems like that was following in Fuji's
1: footsteps to me. Too, it absolutely it? was. Absolutely, they wouldn't no, have done no, this on their own. No, there's no question. I was grateful that they did it because I love the F series Nikon's, you know, and I was glad that, to see that happen. But yeah, I don't. I think that they were late to the game. I was having
0: a conversation with Peter, who is the owner of the camera store that I always mention because mm-hmm. they lend stuff to the show. Because they rock. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Peter's the, Peter runs the place. And was, we were talking about that it's interesting how all of Canon's major success uh, in, I guess it was in the 80s, right, when they transitioned to EF lenses, was based on taking a big a massive risk. Uh, if you haven't read what happened, they killed all of their old lenses. Nothing, nothing going forward will be compatible. You must buy a brand new EF mm-hmm. lens. And that let them totally dominate the lens market for decades to come. Their, their autofocus was a generation ahead for a very long time. And mm-hmm. that Nikon versus Canon conversation was very different at that time because Canon was way ahead because they took this huge risk and that's what let them be where they are now. They weren't, they, didn't, they weren't established as, as a premier uh, camera at that point. And now it's other brands taking those same risks that are allowing them to take Nikon and Canon's place because Nikon and Canon aren't willing to take those risks. Their mirrorless attempts are boring, horrible, hard, really conservative. And like really aimed at, uh, uh, unsophisticated photographers yep. and th- the brands that are taking a chance, like especially Sony. I mean, to me, Sony's taking the biggest risk because they're not even following a logical product cycle anymore. They're pushing mm-hmm. things out so fast, that they're killing old cameras. Um, they just did this again with the FS5, which is a video camera. Um, so uh, I suspect you didn't notice it come out, but it's, it's kind of the size of a medium format and it's the same sensor as the one that I'm always excited about the FS seven. Um, and for one or $2,000 less and it's, but the image is going to look almost the same. And like, they're just not worried about killing all their old products, which is traditionally crazy. Like everybody's always been like, no, we need to hold features back long enough to profit off the last camera. And Sony's just letting that go. Um, so there's that kind of risk, and then Fuji took huge design risks when they really brought back the the, the retro feeling that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sigma has taken crazy risks in well, beca- moving to being a premium lens uh, provider. The what's that like experimental? I don't know. I, I'm running out of examples, but
1: I saw. Oh man, I shouldn't talk about things that I don't really know. Go for it. I well, do it all the time I, I saw this camera and it was it was shared on a on a facebook group and and like I, that's what I mean I really I don't know the name of it or anything like that, but is
0: it the one with it, all the different lenses? yes, oh yeah, the light light is the name of the what thing. in the crap is that um so I don't know that much. <laughs> I just kind of you know read an article and watched the video, but yeah, it's like take a bunch of lenses uh and sensors that are all separate, take almost the exact same photo and realign them. And then you can cancel out all sorts of noise and get um, additional focus information so that you can do uh, f- focus selection and post-processing, but not fake. It's real focus selection, like the Lytro. Is that the name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know what it's like looking at the examples, they look beautiful, but I also noticed in some of them that there is not, the dynamic range that seems to be what everybody's missing when they're like, this is going to replace SLRs. Like that's a, you hear that all the time, right? Like the SLR killer, um, you know, the iPhone, the the iPhone comes to the next level and now you're going to throw away your your SLR. And you know what the, most people aren't acknowledging is that it's not at this point, it's not about the resolution primarily. And I don't even think it's about selective focus. That is not the critical thing about what makes a camera good or not it's dynamic range like if your highlights are blown out it looks like a point and shoot mm-hmm. um and so anyway looking at this one they it didn't seem to me that they had make a made a huge jump in uh additional dynamic range so um i'm not that excited about it yet i think you know maybe the second generation will be interesting do pushing the technology forward is what's exciting about it but i don't know if this camera is going to take over or change the world yet
1: yeah. The thing that I find odd about the design is that it kind of goes more in step with the you know, the iPhone or the Android camera design and just be based on, on the way that it's shaped and how you would use the controls, I imagine. I didn't get to see that far into it. But you know, when I think about the, the buttons and dials and, and switches on a on a camera,
2: mm-hmm.
1: on a proper camera, like that's I don't know, maybe I'm I'm just old fashioned, but like that's how I like to to use a camera. That's why the iPhone is as great as it is. frustrates me as a photographer because I feel like I don't have a lot of the control that I want. Mm -hmm. And um, that all the bells and whistles sound kind of neat about that camera, but it still doesn't sound like something that's going to replace like those intuitive motions that, that that you get from using a professional DSLR. Yeah.
0: I I mean, the thing that I, Think can never be changed about an SLR is that a touchscreen is never going to replace physical buttons. When you're working in a <laughs> work environment, when the pressure is on, you need to be able to grab something. I I am certain that won't change anytime soon. There mm-hmm. will be um, you'll be able to get as good of an image out of the touchscreen sensor, but to really get things done. Um, yeah, you're going to need something bigger. I mean, you can see it. A great example is if you look at Blackmagic video cameras. There's this amazing little thing called the Blackmagic Pocket Cam that came out a couple of years ago at this point, point. Mm-hmm. and it it looks like a point and shoot still camera, but it shoots raw files onto a large sensor, so the image that comes out of it looks completely cinematic. You know, it can, it can match. Um, you know, I could sit next to raw footage and, you know, roughly pass to tons of dynamic range, really beautiful image. But working with it is not like working with a real camera and it hasn't really taken off. Like it's done okay. You see them around, but nobody thinks about taking this very reasonably priced portable camera and replacing their cinema rig with it because it doesn't make any sense like it it, it doesn't matter it, you don't want it to be that compact like you want to be able to plug audio into it and plug monitors in and extra batteries and blah 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 blah. so right yep. um, uh, oh, yeah Oh, uh the sigma i was thinking of it's the sigma quattro have you seen this
1: yeah the thing's so weird it's so weird <laughs> it's so cool i
0: saw one in real life the other day and it looked really cool and i've never even I never even thought about them before, but I kind of want to see what the deal is now. Um, yeah, me
1: too. Just just, to I just want to play. Yeah, exactly. I, I just want to feel it and, and decide whether or not it's the coolest or the dumbest thing ever invented. <laughs> we went
0: to this store, in this is where I saw it in, uh, in Paris, called Colette. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, what's an equivalent? It's like a really expensive Urban Outfitters. <laughs> um, so everything was far too expensive to consider buying, really. But um, they had one of these. And, um, the, the, coolest thing was these, so everything was like the most limited edition of whatever brand. Uh, and so they had, well, they have Rolexes that did not look real, but they were, cause they were so like rare. They had, um, the strangest one was iPhones and iPads that were pure black with no logos, no, no sign of modification either. Like they'd just been, I guess, anodized, like they had redone the casing to be Perfectly matte black with no trace of the original product. And then they sold it for twice the price. Um, mm. It was, it was just really crazy to see that this existed, this like that you could buy at twice the price of iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and yeah, just to see this really cool curation of like, I didn't know that existed, had like all the limited edition Leicas. Um It was really cool and kind of stupid. <laughs> I mean, you'd open a book in there and it'd have the original price tag and then their price tag right beside it for twice the price. What? Well, you know, I could order this on Amazon.
1: <laughs> no. I don't need to spend more money. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Oh, okay, I know what I have to
0: talk about, though. And um, I went through this whole trip uh, with the... I brought the the Canon Elan 7E, which I love, little film camera, and an even littler film camera, the Context T2, And I think I shot five film photos over the whole month. Gosh. Yeah, it just didn't happen. I I think I I told you partway through it wasn't. And I just couldn't make it part of my workflow. I couldn't, um, I felt like I couldn't do everything else well enough and also
1: take film shots. Oh, well, that's legitimate, I think. Uh,
0: Even when I wasn't really working, though, like... I, th- I think it's because there was, it felt like there was some pressure to have, to do social media well while we traveled. Mm-hmm. So, I was, you know, I was trying to Instagram and, and kind of keep um, social stuff alive. And that just meant I couldn't waste a shot on a film photo and then wait a month to get it back. Um, yep. So, every time I saw something good, it was always um, digital. And then towards the end of the trip, I just started leaving them in the hotel.
1: So, yeah, that's that's a tough reality about it, you know, but I think that that's that's, that's where I place it though. I I place the, my film work in in a in a completely separate arena than I do with my my I guess professional or I yeah. need it today work.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean for for obvious reasons, but um yeah, I don't know. I think that that's actually the the beauty of my relationship with it is that it's what I want to do when I want to feel inspired. Mm. As opposed to what I need to do to, to to execute a job.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. And I, I guess I just don't have time to feel inspired. I don't know.
2: Oh man, I mean, that's not true. <laughs>
0: I got felt inspired. Uh, it just, yeah, the, just the realities of quick turnaround were were a little too much to to go the
1: extra film mile in this case. Yeah, I'd like to see more of your film work, though, Tyler.
0: Yeah, me too. Hey, I took a couple. I'll develop them. I shot the, the stuff just before we left. We were doing some nice in-studio portraits with some very great models. And um, I shot a film version of all the photos that we shot digitally. So getting that back will probably have a few nice ones in there.
1: That's exciting. Yeah. Which, which lab did you send it to?
0: Uh, we'll be sending it to Caribou Lab in nice. Toronto. I should uh, I should just like stop by and see them. I guess we're going to Toronto next week. I, yeah, you should. Yeah, they came to Calgary last year and I didn't see them, but uh, yeah. Anybody in Canada, that's the place to send them. I don't I don't know of anywhere else worth considering.
1: One of Stocksy, Stocksy's editors lives right by there as well, Jen oh. Grant. Jen Grantham. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I should uh, I should make more efforts to connect on this trip if we uh, find time.
1: Yeah, if you have time, they're quite a lot of friends in Toronto.
0: Mm-hmm yeah we definitely should a little meet up, maybe yeah,
1: okay. what about you? I mean, I have lots <laughs> more to say, but uh, we just went off on a mini uh
0: <laughs> I think that was
1: the, uh, nothing but tangents so
0: far that's a okay. yeah this is the, this is the tangent show
1: well they're they're kind of a lot of them are tangent shows, really
0: yeah. yeah, they're all tangent shows it's fine well so what do you what have you been up to?
1: Oh my gosh, I've been trying to and like okay, this is where as a professional, you gotta be careful. um been trying to to deal with i I got this client recently and um i mean i've been working with them now for about two or three months and i may have mentioned it to you i'm not really sure but they the amount of work leads to a good income Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um but the quality of the feeling working for them and with them is 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 really testing me
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and um it's making me really question a lot of things about, about doing commercial work. Oh, first, let's clarify, are they a fan of the show? No. They're not. <laughs> okay, good. Um, um but yeah. I have I have many, many, many clients and lots of them are also new. So yeah. you know, I'm not gonna you know, Nobody's nobody's gonna know. No. Um and I mean on one end, you know, I'm really grateful that they uh that they think as highly of me as they do. Um, but there's just something about. I, I think that this is something that we all go through, where there are just certain clients that are you're just not compatible with for whatever for mm-hmm. whatever reason or another, and you know the the situation might be just fine with a different um, different client or a different photographer, you know, and maybe it's not the the individuals at fault. It's just that the chemistry between the two is not the best. Do you it feel could. like
0: you can sense ahead of time if, if that relate, like how that relationship is going to be? Like, did you know it was well towards this or do you just figure it out after your, you know, a few months? Yeah. End?
1: See, That's the problem here is that like, I actually got a really great feeling um, going into it. And I was thinking like, Oh wow. You know I mean? They really know what I'm about and this is that. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate that, that it's, left such a a bitter taste in my mouth and it's made my like it's it's actually made the rest of my work much more difficult Mm -hmm. because of the uh of the the working relationship just not being something that that is very workable because i'm always reading about these other photographers that go through these types of difficulties with their clients Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and uh you know sometimes i'm looking at it and going like oh i'm glad that's not me (laughs) you know totally am. And then, of course, uh, you know, I come across a new one, and that's—I think that that's probably a big part of it—is that you know, like, I still don't have a website up. Actually, I do have it; it just doesn't have anything on it. Right. Um. So, you know, I haven't—I haven't been advertising for new clients in in quite some time, but I'm still getting them. But the majority of my work is is from existing clients that that I already have comfortable. Relation or working relationships and a great rapport with, so it's um, maybe it's just me being like having a difficulty adjusting, but Mm. it's just it's a curiosity about this business. I have no
0: idea if this applies to what is happening for you, but I feel like I've started to have a sense of when a client relationship is going to end up there, and to me, it's been the times where at the beginning there when when there are the most questions or demands or negotiations or like the more complicated it is to start the conversation the more mm-hmm. likely it is to get more complicated down the road um, i found that when we open up and it feels easy to have that initial meeting and you're both on the same page you both you, you just connect in in what they probably want by the end, they probably are more happy with what you give them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just definitely found that if you need to spend a lot of time establishing what the hell this project is going to be or how much it will cost, uh, things like that, that it, those become much bigger questions later. And, uh, you know, it's maybe a analogy is that people that, People that fill out complaint forms are the most likely are predisposed to fill out complaint forms, if you know what I mean. Like the feedback you would get in a suggestion box is probably mostly going to be negative because the people that would have that conversation already are predisposed to complain about things. So um being able to have a sense ahead of time uh whether you might be dealing with a complaint box person can be super helpful in uh I don't know, like understanding the relationship down the road or avoiding mm-hmm. some potholes,
1: maybe. Sure, but I, I don't know if that's your thing at all. I don't, I don't know
0: if you want to tell me because then you, I don't want you to give away.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to to give away too many points, but the, the, I think the the weirdest thing for me is that like whenever we get back to talking about the actual work, the the quality of the work, they're they're so you know over the moon about it. Hmm. Like, wow, but then like getting everything together to actually do the work is like the worst time ever.
0: Yeah. It's funny the way that all the time you spend answering emails and on the phone doesn't, you don't build for that as a photographer.
1: Right. (laughs) I think that's the part that's killing me. Yeah. Is that there is so much work that I'm, that I'm doing that I'm not getting paid for and that comes expected. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you just, I guess you feel a little bit undervalued or yeah. like your time is not respected or valued. So another,
0: another way I've seen it, I don't know, I'll just keep throwing out things that probably don't connect to, let's assume they have nothing to do with your problem and I'll just talk about other problems. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> another, another thing that can happen, and especially with video work, I see this, is that a client will come to you and not realize that they're at... um. At at higher levels of production, there will be an agency, and like a creative agency, and a photographer that have different roles. And um, conceptualizing, and production planning, and things like... There's all these things that when they get to a certain scale, should be handled by a team that is being paid to handle them. Yes. Right. Like a producer. That's, I mean, that can be just the first step, even if there's no, you just, if the creative is coming from the client, you eventually you need to hire a producer because if you are unloading too much of that on the photographer, they're not being a photographer anymore. Uh And uh, that's really hard to educate a client about if they don't already know that. If they've had experience working with agencies and producers in the past, they might totally like they would get it they get, it it really facilitates a lot more great work when somebody is focused on the practical challenges of just getting a shoot done, and if it's the photographer um well, is they're it, not getting paid for it for one thing
1: <laughs> yeah because i mean when you when you make your quote, you're making it for the for the photography, yeah totally. You know, all of a sudden, after you've signed a contract <laughs> and your client's like, hey, I need you to be a production company mm-hmm. on this, on this job. It's like, um, okay, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, thank you.
0: Well, yeah. And that's really tough. Like, cause when you're negotiating a price with a prospective client, it's, uh, it takes a lot of guts to suggest adding a producer in the middle, it's like look I I know I'm already giving you my rate that is bigger than you expected and you're unsure if you want to spend it but can I also recommend you set aside another 20% to hire this other guy that is uh, going to go in between us and and make stuff happen like it's really hard to be the one I don't even know if you can as the photographer be the one to educate the client about doing this
1: I think you cannot I think
0: they need to know this ahead of time learn it from experience have gone to whatever's
1: producer school. I don't know. Right. Luckily I have my wife to have some of those conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Me too. Um, But it doesn't always work. And sometimes it's, you're already so far down the road that you're, what do you do?
0: Yeah. Well, and like I said, you can only, that conversation can only go so far, right? Yeah. At Mm -hmm. some point, um, you're not going to convince them of anything. It's just, Either you decide that you're willing to take on that additional work pro bono, or you're going to uh, pass on the client. So, in the future, I think it's a pass.
1: Unfortunately,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't know if unfortunately sometimes that's um,
1: the right thing. The
0: right answer, yeah. If everybody said yes to everything, the the situation of a working photographer would be a lot worse. Like, I was at a meeting in Calgary a couple of years ago that doesn't happen often, or I don't go too often, I guess. But everybody's kind of just getting together and talking about industry stuff. And this is all freelance photographers that are competing in the same market. And, you know, things like rates came up and uh, what it's like to work with clients. And I think having those discussions really helps protect us. Yes. Um, Having everybody educated about. This is what your competitors' experiences are, and this is what they're able to charge. And um, if nobody knows what's going on, which is usually the case with photographers, often, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's too easy for clients to uh, ask for more than they maybe should, Um, or you know, like because the photographer may not be educated about this thing, they may not be aware that. Um, how much better it could be with a producer, for example, or that there might maybe should be additional fees for
1: production work. Yeah, and they need to be because it's so easy to to do a bad job because you're having to wear too many hats and not focusing on the thing you're you're supposed to be focusing on. Yeah, and if and if too many of the of the options are left up to you, and and most of those options are not your professional specialty, you're putting yourself in a really Compromising situation, mm-hmm. and it's not cool. It yeah, sucks. Absolutely, it's it,
0: it, this all makes me think about something we well I've talked about a bit, and it, it's always on my mind is how to how to both hire help and also work with contractors. When as a photographer, you are already somewhat of a contractor, but adding more help to your project, like. It, I was not as good or comfortable with even hiring hair and makeup before Anya and I started working together.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I usually wouldn't want to add it to a quote because I didn't want uh, to scare the client off or for it to come out of my rate. And I've become much more comfortable realizing, look, if this is the type of project we're working on, you will hire hair and makeup. Like that's That will happen, or you will not have a good product and not a product I can put my name on. So... Um let's add those to the budget and we, we've uh, we've gotten pretty comfortable and like that's knowing when that's going to be part of the conversation. Um yeah. and it, but I, I don't think that's obvious for a lot of photographers at first. I mean it wasn't for me for years.
1: No and then you can take that to the next step when you actually start using hair and makeup and you bring them on the set and you don't realize how how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. completely it could completely tear apart Totally, it's the length of the shoot on its own. Yes, sometimes longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, my in my experience, it's mostly (laughs) longer. Could I ask you about um, retouchers? Have you ever
0: have you contracted external retouching ever?
1: No, not a chance. Outside of sending film to a lab, no.
0: Mm, That counts. Uh, Okay. Well, I have, so I guess maybe I I I don't shouldn't be asking you, but I um, but it's still something I, I think about uh adding more um full-time into our workflow but i uh, haven't figured out how yet
1: don't get me wrong i would love to be able to but i need somebody to, to use my mind mm-hmm. <laughs> while doing it mm-hmm. and i'm i'm not sure i'm that good at communicating these things
0: well let me tell you about my experience mm-hmm. at least uh because it, it was it was pretty good um it didn't quite feel like enough. but So it was with a uh, company out of India called Key
1: Imaging. Key Graphics or something like that? Let
0: <laughs> me <laughs> uh, uh, investigate this before I... It might, it might just be Key oh, India. Oh, no, key,
1: key India Graphics. Yeah, that's it. Okay.
0: Um, key India. Uh, and they're awesome. They were great to communicate with. They are very good at what they do. The prices are reasonable. But, um, the fact that it is across the world in, in a very different time zone and, um, I don't know, it does not, it is not the solution, the big solution I'm looking for. Um, I'd much rather have somebody that, uh, I can just work much more closely with and I can have a full conversation with them one-on-one and maybe look over their shoulder for an example and, uh, build a more of a repertoire repertoire with, mm-hmm. um, and and no, okay. So that that that's all wrong. Kenya was great. <laughs> i should say more good things about Kenya first. It was very good. But what what I'm curious about is that like next level of production that happens on on the shoots that show up in fashion magazines, for example.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like who who's doing the retouching on the you know the the latest Dior campaign and. What do they charge? How do you work with them, and how do you find somebody just below that <laughs> that I could actually afford to work with? Um, yeah, because <laughs> you know, I'm sure I could go out and find uh, a retouching house that will charge me your prices. But is there somebody that's you know that are is better than me? This is the key part. I want somebody that's better than me and can yeah. add add to the the final product more than I could. And will it surprise and impress me? And um, that's what I, I don't know how to find or how to afford. <laughs> well,
1: uh. I think it's—I don't know. I—I I, I tend to think. I think that you or you and I are like in, in this way that I tend to think of the work as, as an you know that part is is just another extension of what I do.
2: Mm.
1: You know, doing the the, the retouching and the, and the color work. And it's it's part of how I'm expressing my myself and as a as a photographer and a mm-hmm. professional.
0: But you don't feel that way when you send your
1: film to a lab. Um, I I think that I'm making that choice by by choosing the film and that lab. So, I think that is analogous to
0: choosing a great post production agency. That will right, but
1: I think you'd have to you'd have to say like, I don't know. They'd have to have specific color. Options for you, yeah. Well, if they're
0: as good as they say they are, or as I yeah, imagine I, they are,
1: <laughs> I just I have I have a hard time with thinking about that with with digital because there's there's so many options. Yeah. Well,
0: the, the thing is about this this um, unknown a- agency out there that I am certain exists, but I've never talked to, uh, is that they know more than me. I know that um, I'm 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 quite decent. As, as far as a photographer goes for retouching, but people mm-hmm. that do this full time can be incredible. You know, knock your socks off in the work that they're able to do and, and doing stuff that I just can't wrap my head around. And true. I, that's who I'd like to find. Cause I'm not going to ever have time to get to that level because they, they've gotten there by working for, on other people's photos full time for a, a career, you know, like day after day. And that's how you get to that point. And that's not what I spend my time on. So, yeah, yeah, in video, it's uh, very common with color grading. Yeah, you would go to a a company that only does this, and they specialize in it. and You know their previous work, and you respect it, and you have them do it. And there's no there's no question that like the cinematographer is not going to sit down and do the grading on a real film.
1: No. Uh, so there's going to be an individual for each part of the job.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I would like to get to that point. Eventually I see that as, um, I think it's an inevitability if I keep getting any, any better, uh, but I I don't know where to find it or who to talk to, or, um, I guess what it costs either. So, Hey, if anybody's listening and has answers for me,
1: I think it's probably easier when you're in bigger cities. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I, I do know of one person from Calgary that moved to New
1: York and is doing it for big fashion labels, but I think about places like Washington DC where I'm at and I just, I
2: know
1: (laughs) <laughs> even when I do find something, I'm always, I'm never, I'm always like there are, there's little, little things about the work that, that grates me. Well, m- my review of Key India. So
0: what they were very good at is, and all that I asked them to do was basically skin cleanups and logo removals. Cause it's for stock. And I, I asked them to d- modify things as little as possible. Um, you know, if there's going to be any like liquefying, uh, I'll do it in the end. So, uh, yeah, taking logos off, sometimes I was blown away how well they would remove a big graphic from, mm-hmm. from a difficult part of an image. They did a really good job at that kind of stuff. Uh, and as long as I asked them to keep the skin changes minimal, they also did a great job of that. If you look at their sample photos, they look a little horrific. They go way yeah, too was, far. Yeah. But they don't do that. If you If you talk to them about it, they are able to do a very good, much more minimal job. And then all of the actual color correction I, I did afterwards in Lightroom.
1: That's good to say, because when you look at their website, it just feels like a stock, a microstock nightmare. Oh,
0: absolutely. You need to talk to them. You need to know what you want. On your first images, you can go back and forth several times saying, like, no, 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 I need it more like this. Just make sure they don't blur the skin, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't take out too much under the eyes. Oh. All, all these little things. Don't, don't <laughs> whiten
1: the eyes. Don't make, don't plasticize the people. Yeah. No,
0: yeah. No Barbies.
1: Yeah. Um, Gosh, that's, that's tragic. But
0: you know what? Like, that's, what's interesting to me about these high end fashion editors. When you flip through a magazine, like there can be a very artificial look that they can sell that Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, this is still somehow much more realistic than the plastic fake look that, you know, you see on these example websites. Yeah. um, mm-hmm. and I don't know what they're doing. You know, I know how to get the cheap, crappy plastic look that I never would do, but I don't know how to get the actual porcelain look that, um, you'll see in, in some marketing.
1: Yeah. I think it's a lot of steps and you know, it's a lot of little tiny things. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs>
0: that's it. I think there's time. Mm-hmm. I do not think there is a filter that you hit and it does it for you. I think there's a lot of. Careful massaging of the photo and and you know um, adjusting brightness and darkness in very targeted areas and yep.
1: uh, a lot of layers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a, a quick answer. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: luckily, I don't do a lot of photography that that needs to. <laughs> you get it all perfect in cameras. What you're saying? No. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't care as much. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not somehow. as critical. It's for yeah. me, you know, for the type of work that I do. Yeah, I like but, my stuff to be a bit raw. Well, and
0: the, the, the majority of stuff we both shoot is more more lifestyle in its yeah. in its. Um, it makes style. more sense for it to be natural. Yeah. You know? So, whereas high production fashion, which, which is not what I do when I'm shooting fashion stuff, to right. clarify that, like different, my different thing. Yeah, my like st- It would be more style photography. Which mm-hmm. is much more natural and more in common with lifestyle, for sure. So, um, not yeah. I typically don't need that kind of processing. But um, okay, what about weddings? Oh, uh, I barely retouch anything in Photoshop. I, I try to open zero photos in Photoshop from a wedding and do yeah.
1: everything in Lightroom. Yes, absolutely. Because well, that still I, takes a lot of time. It takes forever, and yeah. I think the the idea. Of doing it sounds horrible. I mean, I guess you know how much would you have to charge? You'd have to charge per image. Oh yeah, you have to.
0: So, Key India is—I don't really remember—but there's are you know, let's say five bucks per photo. It's somewhere near that, maybe a little less. And um, are you if you charge five dollars per photo, that's going to add up. To that's going to add a lot onto your price really quickly, and it's not very much money for an
1: American or Canadian photographer. Well, that's what I was going to say is I would have to charge more than that. Yeah, totally. 5 bucks is nothing for I'd have to charge it. I, I think like maybe 25. Yeah. Would ha- would be like a yeah. a more like reasonable low end request. Totally, yeah. Like and that's just saying like okay, I'm going to open this in Photoshop. Good. Yeah. Like I think that's will a lot of, save it. Yeah, because what a lot of a lot of clients don't realize is that, you know, it, it just comes down to economics. It's time is money. Period. Yeah. When you open and, and you open an image in Photoshop to edit it, that's taking. Yeah, I mean, you're you're committing ten minutes.
0: How long right? do you spend selecting photos, uh, editing them, and getting them delivered from a wedding? Would
1: you say? That's a really tough question. I'd no, have to I say f- forever. <laughs> um, no, I, forever. I uh, the last wedding I think took me. I mean, considering how many how many other jobs came through in that time. Um, probably added some time to that wedding because I knew that I could, I could stretch it out a little bit, you know, but I think it in total, it took me about a month. Hmm.
0: Oh, well, okay. But I guess I'm more curious though about time, ta- like working time. Yeah. Cause I yeah, like, uh, I, I would say we deliver a wedding usually try to aim to get it delivered within 60 days. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it's just spend normal. 60 days working on it No. So how many days do you think you you know have it sitting in front of you?
1: Maybe four or five.
0: Yeah, and those are like,
1: you know, not full days. Maybe like four hour days or three. Yeah, days. yeah I think that's about the same for me.
0: I'd say two two very full days, like two ten hour days. I could get it done.
1: Right, but, but it, that never happens. <laughs> no, one. I, I don't think it should either. Yeah. I don't think that it, that it's a healthy way to to edit. You know, somebody's most important day. Mm-hmm. Well, and with
0: a big batch of photos, I always find that I can go through and be processing and processing. And if I come back to it later, I'll look at some big section of them like, whoa, what? Where was my head for these 30 photos that are all yep. way too blue? That's yep. actually you where re- I, I often screw up with that. I go too cool, is my like common mistake. Hmm. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, having that second look, I think, can be really important. And yeah, for anybody that hires wedding photographers, it can be very helpful to give them a little bit of time and to have that patience because honestly, a better product can come out of it than uh, when it's rushed. That yeah, reminds it, me, I didn't finish delivering a wedding before we left on the trip. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if they're listening. <laughs> um, oh, I delivered the, remember the film photos I was talking about? They like, they got the yes. film and I, and I delivered like a selection of, uh, of good photos, but I still still have you know, about another day
1: to of working on them to do so. Well, so at least you gave them some, something awesome to chew on. Yeah, they have a starter kit. Yeah, it's nice. That's actually, it's kind of a curious thing about sh- taking a, a film camera to a wedding along with your digital. Mm-hmm. Is that, you, <laughs> you know, in terms of every other shoot that you do, <laughs> the film always comes later. But with a wedding, <laughs> it's more likely that you'll have your totally. film finished and delivered before you're even halfway through the digital work. Just based on quantity, oh,
0: 100%. percent. Like, yeah, that'd be the nicest thing about shooting only film is you'd just be done <laughs> when the film comes back. Oh, so I th- love that throw idea. Throw a few uh, blurry ones and give them the rest, and hey.
1: And yeah, you know what else I really love about w- looking at um, film photographers that do wedding work is that it's. It, f- I know that there's probably tons of throwaways, but it seems like the film photographers are so much more careful about what they show.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: so, yeah. and and I and I also have to believe that it's it's also a part of just slowing down while you're shooting and really calculating for you know a lot of reasons cost and mm-hmm. and just knowing experience you know experience is is everything and I think that with my experience it's always like well I need to get this right because it's going to be a waste <laughs> if I don't yeah um, yeah and I just I, I feel like that would be so amazing to just slow down and capture like these awesome moments and not sure. feel the pressure to, to take two or 3000 photos. If only we could return to the good old days. I uh, know, right. Let's Travel back in time. Well, only if we had the labs that we do now for doing that, right. You know, back then you didn't have these, these awesome labs that that do this amazing work. It, oh, it you, didn't, you didn't have your home scanner us. lab. That too. But you know when you think about you know the folks at like indie film lab or something like that you know i mean they turn your work around in a week and it costs you know 30 bucks or something per roll and they do like a bang up job you know they actually put a lot of care into into getting your color right and and making sure that everything is 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 really sexy and, and you know you think about that like when I look at l- the prices for local labs that don't even offer anything near as awesome and it's five times as much mm-hmm. and that's not just my local lab that's yeah. most local labs totally
0: yeah it didn't make it didn't make the same kind of sense before it was yeah it was all very different
1: now my hat is off to these to these organizations that are doing this for us I just, you know, it's Caribou, help. thank you. Public ADP service. I find Lab, thank you guys. You guys are amazing. And I don't even use them all the time, but when I need to and when I want to, it's never a regret. Um, it's always worth it. Support your local lab. <laughs> or lo- your mail lab. <laughs> Support your national lab. <laughs> in your case, it literally is yeah. your national lab. You have mm-hmm. one. Yeah, the
0: one, the Can- <laughs> great
1: Canadian Caribou Lab. Yeah. And luckily, they're awesome. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know you can't you can't overlook that. I mean, there 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 seem to be more popping up um, with some frequency in the states. Uh, there's another one in uh, Spain that does really beautiful work. Is uh, Carmen Cita. Hmm. Everything I, I see coming anything. out. Of, well, not I don't know about everything, but like most of the stuff that I've seen, the good that stuff. I, I, is good. Yeah, the stuff that I've recognized, you know, it was like, oh, okay, that came from Carmen Cita. I'm always um, really impressed. And actually, I had a friend remark the same thing to me today without me even prompting that so, i think so
0: out of all the labs that i've seen opening up like th- these new labs pretty much all are doing a good job i think because they they uh, they're not doing it because they see a ton of money in it it's cuz they already love shooting film and they know how they want it to look and they're part of the community and um i don't i don't think there's been a whole lot of i haven't heard of anywhere new that opened especially with this like mail in scanning <laughs> Business model that has been terrible. No, you're right. I think because they all have the same interests of you know making film look really beautiful. So,
1: well, and and to the credit of those who really got the ball rolling, you know, like Richard Photo Lab and Indie Film Lab,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, they set up a heck of a template for everyone else to follow. Oh, for sure. And there's enough business to go around to where it's actually a blessing to have uh, more labs that do good work. Yeah, some of these places could. Could handle a
0: little uh, less pressure on them, and uh, maybe could get things done a little faster too. So. Exactly. Um, Not you know, caribou, I that, but I've just I've heard about it in general.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some are quicker than others, mm-hmm. and you know, like uh, my thing. You know, for if you're cost conscious and you shoot film, um, if you you know, like for, I use the Find Lab for for my color stuff, and the reason I do is because they offer a, a basic scan, which is a develop and basic scan for. Uh, I always do 120 and so it's $13 per roll. And I I mean that to me seems like a steal. You know? I feel like they're giving it to me. And, you know, I, I choose the uh, frontier scanner, and it's just literally, you know, whatever's coming out of the machine they send to me. Mm-hmm. And I can do my own tweaks and 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 color work. And so, you know, I feel like everything I get from them is already on such a excellent starting point for me that I can have that that, that role finished in, in an hour
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uploaded to, to Stocksy or to whatever I'm doing. Usually mm-hmm. Stocksy for film work. But. Yeah. And you know, I just can't, you know, I, so if you're thinking, if you're a you know, photographer and you're thinking about film and you don't know what to do, like, these options are, are fantastic. You do not need to pay for the full-on edits, but you can. If it saves you time and frustration, then it's worth it. Yeah. You know, but if you know how to, to tweak your own colors and, and get something that's satisfactory for you, like you can just save a bunch of money and take yeah, the basic scans.
0: And that's what I do. I just do my own tweaks. I mean the files that come through are huge. Like they're JPEGs, but they're big JPEGs.
1: Exactly. Yeah. A lot of room.
0: Um lot, yeah. We should uh, we should get to pics though. Do you have anything you want to talk about this week? I think I do. Uh, why don't we make a jingle for this section? Shouldn't we like have some kind of musical intro sting? Yes, we should just like jam over Skype someday, and uh, whatever garbage
1: comes out will become the. Uh, I I, right, blacking that this week. <laughs> well, I am I, not. I'm trying to think of what picks I have. I know what I'm annoyed with. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a pick, sure. Oh, I'm not sure. I want to. Hmm. It's like picking a scab. It doesn't hurt anybody else except for me. So last night I got I got two rolls of film from my lab. Uh, 35 millimeter, which I, I scan on the pack on. And the first one, you know, no big deal. Scanned it. Everything was fine. And then, you know, I I try to scan the second one and the pack on crashes my virtual machine. And so I'm like, Oh, so I started over, you know, redo everything. And uh, long story short, six tries later is still nothing. It just keeps crashing it. And I just, I, I'm at a loss and I think I'm going to have to start completely over and like, <laughs> reinstall everything. And, and I'm just, I'm so upset <laughs> just cause it's exactly the kind of thing I don't have time to deal no, with. No, that is, that is not what you <laughs> signed up for. No. And it's, and it's like it's such a frustration. And so like, I guess my pick is, is I'm, I'm sending a call out to all the you know brilliant people out there to Please, for the love of God or whatever, please, please create a new pack on <laughs> that works with modern computers and and that that also scans at a higher resolution. Mm, that'd be nice. I'm sure. I'm sure it could look
0: really good if they made it now.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a perfect Kickstarter idea. And please also make it affordable enough. Yeah, make it affordable enough. I mean. I I would I would I would easily spend $1000 if that was the yeah, case. I think it'd be
0: completely fair price. Let's yeah. let's make it happen. Let's make a $1000 fast, high quality, beautiful film scanner.
1: Yeah, and let's get uh let's ask Kirk, Kirk Mastin to to get into the uh into helping to control the color.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. He should be he should be spearheading this thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should? He
0: should. We should. Oh, he should. Yeah. Let's well, all get, let's do it.
1: I'd be all about you know promoting it and, and making a, a big stink over it. Um, well, we probably need <laughs> to talk to an engineer first. But. That's the issue. Yeah. <laughs> I need an engineer that, that has lots of time and also is completely amazing. That doesn't mind not having lunch. <laughs> well, I don't know if
0: this Kickstarter is uh, as successful as I think it'll be. Then you can hire a team of engineers.
1: Wouldn't that just be amazing, though? Of course. Because the pack on is clearly, without any question, it's the superior design.
0: If we could get a pack on into every home, we would extend the life of film by decades.
1: And just when you think about like the fact that you don't have to cut the roll and just zips it around the mm-hmm, little thing, mm-hmm. um, it's fast as hell. You know, which is th- always the the major hang up. Totally, the flapid uh,
0: thing just seems like a nightmare to me.
1: Oh, it's the worst.
0: Yeah. I, I haven't you? even tried it because it seems like such a nightmare.
1: No, I had such a I mean, you remember me talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally like, you know, you'd hear it in the background while we were talking. Um mm-hmm. is you know, that, is it like, on
0: earlier podcast episodes?
1: Probably. And yeah. it's just like, wow, is that the same uh frame? Yeah, it's the same frame. How long have you been going? An hour and twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just not conducive to to getting things done. Yeah, that is not
0: the technology that will be in the new official cameras or whatever scanner.
1: No, no. The the official cameras or whatever endorsed <laughs> Kickstarter, <laughs> hopefully Kirk Maston <laughs> approved, powered. <laughs> let's call it powered. Um, yeah, let's make that happen. I think that's that's think my pick. Should. It's it's an imaginary pick. Pick of the future. It's a desire. It's a desire and. You know that's about it. Hmm. Um, well, I'm going to take a second before
0: my pick, before everybody stop listening to say, Hey, if you like this show, tell a friend, it'd be really nice because, um, we love doing this show and we have some fantastic listeners out there that we love hearing from. So if you are one, say hello to us, mm-hmm. tell people that are also professional photographers or semi-professionals and um yeah we'd love to have them on board and the only way they'll know is if you tell them otherwise did you know that at at this point in our podcast it does not rank at all if you search for photography in itunes
1: yeah it's ridiculous
0: which is actually a recent change they seem to like cut off the pagination so it doesn't keep scrolling we're i don't know like 50th and uh, and now it only shows you the first however many, and we are not part of it. So, And uh, I feel
1: like a lot of the ones that it does show are, aren't are, even around anymore. Are dead. Yes, yeah.
0: they are. And that's... no, it's, it's, it's all
1: dated. And, yeah, it's know. from
0: like 2001. Um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe you're listening to this in... 2020, so this isn't <laughs> interesting either, but at this point in history, we are very relevant and very current, and uh, and yeah, the only way that anybody will find out is if you tell them. Otherwise, honestly, they will never know. So uh, post a link on Facebook.
1: Yeah, or Twitter. And I think that this is actually a great time to, to give a shout out to our dedicated and communicative fan base that we have on Twitter.
0: Totally, yeah. I love, like, anytime we get an at... Uh, mm-hmm. which I'm at Stallman by the way. Cameron's yeah. at Camrocker. Yep. And um you can hashtag cameras or whatever if you want, or just write us and say hello.
1: Yeah. And I think that you'd you know, if you if you appreciate good natural photography, I think that you'd you'd also appreciate um the the community that's building up around this. Yeah. we we have a lot of really super talented people that are seem to be interested in whatever we're talking about. So so just, let's get the
0: like minded people on board mm-hmm. and uh yeah hang out. But my picks, I don't know if they're picks. I just have like a couple products on my mind. So mm. I rented the Sony A7 again to shoot the Calgary Park fashion show. Um, which is the name of the show. Uh, I've been shooting the video for it for a few years. So uh, the camera store, yeah, I picked up the A7 and got the Zeiss 35mm F2 Biogon. Biogon? I don't know if that's how you say it. But that, that's I how know. I say it. And it was pretty cool. Um, it was really small and really well-made, like, you know, very all-metal. And on the Sonys, this is a huge advantage of the mirrorless, uh, cameras is when you're manually focusing, it automatically punches in when you're looking through the viewfinder or on the back so that your manual focus focus can actually be accurate. And it was amazing to shoot some still photos and have manual focus be in focus. Cause my eyesight's terrible. I, I can't <laughs> manu I literally could not manual focus my five D to save my life. So, um, it's yeah. the only way I can use them. And, and this lens was great for it. Also, Amazing for video. I think it's kind of targeted for video because it um, has a really long focus throw. So you turn your, your hand further to, to focus the camera, which allows for more precise focusing. And um, it also has a switch to make the aperture on it either stepped or smooth. So you can adjust the exposure of the image just by gently twisting it, and you won't see a jump in the video. Um, mm. So, yeah, it was, it was very sharp. Not um, not blow my mind sharp, but very very good. It's thousand bucks ish, and uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, But no, I have so much more. Um, I'm forgetting. We're supposed to have an iPhone uh, Success Plus by now, Mm -hmm. but it just hasn't happened. I wanted to have reviewed it, but um, trying to get it. Oh yeah, music wise, I just wanted to say I really liked the. Ryan Adams cover album to Taylor Swift's
1: yeah. 1989. Yeah. Uh, did you listen to it? I haven't heard it yet, but it, I've, I've been referenced on it so many times. And it's now, like
0: but... making the rounds, and I'm surprised how much I liked it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I keep hearing is how awesome it is. Yeah, it's, it really is him doing his best Bruce uh, Springsteen impression. So if you like Bruce Springsteen covering Taylor Swift, listen to Ryan Adams. Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and then oh, come on! I have like one more real thing. Oh, a great tip is that uh, Visco VSCO added a extension added extension support in iOS. So that means when you're in your Photos app, you can open images directly into the app. You can send them there without launching Visco and importing, oh, which nice. is huge. I think that's, that's really really important.
1: That's nice.
0: Yeah. Good move. Oh Cheers. yeah no I have an, another update on my previous recommendation right after I recommended the ad blocker piece mm-hmm. um, it was pulled from the app store uh so it, I I know actually I've heard from some other listeners they listen to uh, ATP which is one of my favorite podcasts uh, mm-hmm. Accidental Tech Podcast and so it's one of their hosts developed it he's a co-founder of Tumblr um developed Instapaper and um he made this and uh basically didn't enjoy the pressure that came out of it because there's a lot of controversy around content blocking. So he has pulled it. And um, since that recommendation is now totally irrelevant, I just, I guess I have to do a new one. And right Mm -hmm. now I'm experimenting both with OneBlocker and also Crystal. Um, Most reputable tech people I listen to seem to be more in favor of OneBlocker. So let's call that the recommendation. But I just felt like I needed to correct my now irrelevant previous. Recommendation.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
2: Yeah,
0: and um, since I already said to follow me on Twitter, I've been Snapchatting up a storm lately, especially when I'm traveling. So interesting. Yeah. Are you on Snapchat?
1: No. Nope. Oh. Should it be? Yeah. Yeah. Do I need another time suck?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I should have been Snapchatting this. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna Snapchat right now, which will be completely pointless because um, it'll already be gone by the time anybody sees this. But hello, Snapchat. I am currently podcasting, and if you want to hear it, go listen to cameras or whatever, and this is going to be in the episode. But, yeah, okay, so let me explain it. Thanks. I am currently podcasting, and if you want to hear it, <laughs> okay, I <I've> posted that. <laughs> uh, so the, what Snapchat started as was sexting for teenagers. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, you send a message, and it deletes after 24 hours. But what it's matured into is that, uh, and I think what made it really mainstream is that the focus became a little less on the private messages and more on public feeds. So it's like an Instagram for more junky stuff, more like this is just what's happening in my day. Not me trying to curate uh, hyper-realistic images of, uh, you know, or hyper realistic <laughs> terrible way of describing Instagram. Um, Instagram is carefully curated and everybody wants to look a certain way on it. And Snapchat is much more about uh real life and sharing your experience and there's video and photo and uh yeah it goes away so there's less pressure to make it amazing or to like look good or to embarrass yourself a little bit so what it in practice what it ends up being it's just a, a much more real feed than most of the other social networks because of its um temporary nature
1: so can somebody troll you and
0: like record your
1: your Snapchat? No, and then... they can.
0: Like, well, they can't record the video with the app. I mean, they could point another camera at it. Sure, uh, but like I don't know. It I don't. You're not posting embarrassing things. Like that's well, you could. I well, mean, you it could yeah. teenagers
1: sexting. So. That's
0: the reputation that I think it got, and it's not now. It is not that at all. It's not about posting things that are stupid. It's just not being stressed out about it being good enough. You know, like there isn't that pressure that like, if this isn't super cool, my friends are not going to like it. Like there's no likes, for example. Mm. So there's no, there's no reward for being the coolest. It's just, it's much more about sharing. I mean, I like it the most for actual, um, like family sharing. Uh, my, my parents got on it, which is
1: fun. So. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a little more intrigued now.
0: Yeah. It's like, I really liked it while I was traveling. Cause both like my parents could actually see kind of like my whole day instead of one photo that doesn't really represent when, what one like, idealized analyzed. moment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the very and, best moment. And then I could see what they were doing too. You know, and in video it feels really different. And you also know that it's no more than 24 hours old. You can't pre-record anything. So when it got posted, it was live. So it, it just has a much more organic feeling. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, if you want to find me on it, so Cameron, you can go sign up and add mm-hmm. me. Uh, my name is Tyler Stallman with no spaces. Okay. Because Stallman was taken.
1: I'll I'll get around to it. Yeah. Like my website. <laughs> add it to the list. Oh, I realize I, I do have a music recommendation as well. Oh, that I, I've, I've kind of forgotten to mention, and uh, I've been enjoying it more and more lately, and it's actually brought me back to, the, uh, to their whole canon, which is uh, Wilco. Uh, yeah, yeah. star wars record what yeah What's
0: star wars is that is that a record i just forget his name star wars is it star wars themed
1: no it's not star wars themed at no. all it actually yes. seemingly i i been kind of excited there i have not discovered any connections to star wars in fact it's got one of my favorite album covers of all time it's just it has a painting of a of a, of cat. a, of a pu- pretty white
0: cat with some oh, flowers i don't know
1: <laughs> that's a very misleading
0: name Isn't that great though? Like, I just, I love the, uh, and the the script writing of Star Wars. Yeah, it's so great. I like, it's like it doesn't acknowledge that this film franchise has ever existed. It doesn't. We just came up with a great name.
1: Yeah, I love it. And, you know, uh, the record is is growing on me. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's interesting to me because, um, you know, I got an email one day and it's like, you know, download our new record. It was from Wilco. Directly, and it was a free offer, and I was just like, well, "Shit, all right, yeah, you know." It's, so, I downloaded the record, and it, it turns out that it's it's a good one, and uh, you know, you never know when people I, are I just giving hope things the, away.
0: It's the official soundtrack to the upcoming movie, and uh, this <laughs> viral marketing campaign.
1: I think if that's the case, it's going to be a very different movie than what we'd <laughs> expect. Um, but that had kind of spiraled me back into to listening to Wilco, which is it's it's been since uh, a ghost is born. Actually, I think I liked Sky Blue Sky too. Um, and and you know, like I, there's nothing wrong with, with their their other records that came after a ghost is born. But um, a ghost is born was the last one that like really like knocked me out. You know, because the the four in a row like being there and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and Ghost is Born. I'll be honest.
0: I only ever really listened to Foxtrot. Really? Yeah, I, I've heard the others, and I just I don't know. I didn't have I listened to other things instead, but I've heard them and they were nice. I just uh, didn't give them enough time, I guess.
1: Well, I think it's Wilco is one of those bands that it's, it's really easy to ignore them. They're background music, or is that, is that what you mean? No, like, like I, a cafe music. It could be, sure, it could be, but it, I think that um, it, they become quite enjoyable when you actually pay attention. Mm-hmm. There's some great irony and sarcasm, which are obviously my favorite things, and
0: um, yeah. especially with and, an album called Star Wars, yeah, it's, with a it's, cat.
1: Well, I, I, I think that, that Jeff Tweedy just has like a, a pretty awesome, in, interesting sense of humor. Um, speaking of Jeff Tweedy, kind of weird, but he also has a record that he released in the last year. And hold on, and I'll let you know what that's called because it's also pretty good and it's a double record and it came out of nowhere. Hmm. Uh, it's called Suki Ray, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a double record and it's also very good. Like, how, how is it that people that do quality work like this are able to kick out so much of it? Yeah, I just, high
0: volume, yeah, that's impressive I, when it happens,
1: it is, but it's, it's rare. It is very rare because usually I always think of Prince when I think of this because in the eighties Prince was absolutely the best. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I don't know. It's just he just kept putting out so much stuff, and it just never it stopped being good at some point. It just never remained or it never got back to being magical again. It was uh-huh. always good, yeah,
0: but never magical again. I always think of well, I, for no good reason, but "Melancholy" and "Infinite Sadness" because that's I think the best double record of all time.
1: Oh uh, <laughs> but no, i have mo- i have moments about it, but like I'm at this point in my life where, where uh, Billy's Billy's uh, voice uh, you yeah. know it's it's got a very special place yeah no i I still listen to it on a, on occasion mm-hmm.
0: um since you're cramming in extra recommendations <laughs> I got one more to <laughs> stuff in at the end here double yeah. record- double record mendation <laughs> uh i've been binge listening to the flophouse podcast, which is a bad movie review podcast, yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the, some of the, the hosts are writers for the daily show and they are very funny and I actually don't care much about, like I n- have never been a bad movie fan or watched a lot of them and I never watch any of the films they talk about, but I thoroughly enjoy the
1: comedy of it. So try it. I'm looking it up right now because it sounds so good say <laughs> it. flop house, what? Just the flop house. That's it the flop house they're just flop house
0: yeah yeah it's funny it's given me perspective how many podcast episodes we've recorded cuz i'm listening to old ones of theirs now like episode 30 for them is nothing <laughs> you know it's still at the beginning and uh has not really established who these people are and uh you know another few hundred episodes in and um yeah i don't know it just gives me a sense of time going back to episode 30 was in 2009 so,
1: Wow so this is uh dan mccoy
0: yeah that's right all right and we're about we're almost a year into this this show as well wow which is a lot but nothing so let's keep let's keep going how did that happen uh well it's not officially a year it i'm just saying
1: i think it's kind of like a year ish (laughs) we're getting close yeah and how did that happen i don't know but let's uh let's try to do this more often yeah for sure Let's get some. Let's get some guests. <laughs> oh
0: God! I, yes, I've got. I've got many great guests lined up. Me too. Uh,
1: we just need to schedule things. <laughs> I think you just
2: mean schedule things. Uh, yes, sure <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> All right. Great. Take care. Bye.